On today's Question of Faith, is it Catholic culture to engage with cancel culture? Hey everybody, this is Question of Faith. I'm Mike Hayes. I'm the Director of Young Adult Ministry here in the Diocese of Cleveland. And I'm Father Damien Ferenc, Vicar for Evangelization. And I'm Miguel Chavez, the Director for the Office of Missionary Discipleship. Welcome back, Miguel. We, we didn't cancel you. You're, it's good to be back. Yeah, you're, you're I'm back. glad I wasn't canceled. Thank you. <laughs> How you feeling? Lovely. Good. Absolutely you wonderful. Got, you got, got a cough drop? I have a handful of cough drops, and absolutely. Coffee? Yeah, and coffee, you know, good. anything nice to blend. soothe the throat. That's right. Miguel finally succumbed to the vid. I did, mm-hmm. I did, but I showed it who's boss. So, <laughs> good for you. fluids in the Lord, huh? Yeah, that's good, though. My consecutive health streak still remains intact. Yeah, so knock on knock, wood, Knock buddy. on wood, That'd exactly. Name of a good album, Fluids in the Lord. <laughs> or, a, or an indie band. All right, you heard it here first. Yeah. That's what this is. That's right. So today, someone wrote in and asked about cancel culture and said, like, is it is it a thing, you know, that a Catholic should engage with? And uh, so, you know, what's our experience with this? I think just to start off, you know, we, we've got a couple of references here that we'll point you to. But you know. How do you understand cancel culture when people say, oh, it's cancel culture, they've been canceled? What, what do you think people mean? The first thing that comes to mind for me is I, I think of how polarized our political arena is because that's the first thing that pops to mind when i hear cancel culture i think well this is a a, it's nearly all political and it's all about polarizing it's about it's about choosing one side or another um and I, i certainly understand the the tenets of it um but what i've more often than not when i hear cancel culture used it's often in a more hostile way to posit one position in a very polarized way against another. So there's not so much dialogue as there is, I don't agree with you, I'm canceling you. <laughs> uh, and, and so that's sort of, that's, it sort of has me uneasy because there, there is little to no dialogue often when I hear cancel culture used. Isn't it also true someone usually does something that's offensive or sinful and therefore you say you've done this, you're canceled now, you have no more voice in the culture, like more specifically? Or how do you understand that, it? Mike? That's how I would understand it a lot of times is that there's um, someone does something and uh, it's usually either so vile or so repulsive that they say, that's it, you're done. Like mm-hmm. you, you can no longer be part of, uh, part of this culture that we're in, so we're going to cancel you. And now you can't, you know, you can't work. You can't, you can't do anything. But the person is canceled. The person, so, so not that's not right. what was said, not in, as atrocious as it may be, not the ideology mm-hmm. behind. It's mm-hmm. the person, and so it just becomes, I think, a, becomes a platform that just continues to polarize, which is which is nothing but challenging and difficult. Yeah, and there, and I think there's a difference between. Someone who does something wrong who has to make some sort of retribution, like there's there are consequences for your actions. Like I think I think that's perfectly fine. But to say that the person's like never any good and you can never do anything again, that's something else. I think and I think that's what, that's what mm-hmm. I would define as cancel culture. Is mm-hmm. Just saying this person is 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 sort of like no longer welcome here, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you can't. We don't want you to be part of our society anymore. Yeah. It would be defining a person by his or her worst actions or worst yeah, sin and saying right. because you've done this there is no hope for you you are now silenced and you have no more s- space or voice so so what do we do yeah, as you, catholics you know the pope had some things to say about this and uh a nice article by michael sean winters that we'll point you to 
uh, in the show notes. But and his, I think the Pope's thoughts like cut against both, you know, both sides of the of the coin here. You know, both the left and the right. But the Pope often says like the problems are complex. You know, they don't, they don't have one answer all the time, and that we have to look at all sides of the of the coin in order to kind of solve the problems that are going on in society. And if someone does something wrong. Let's let's look at all sides of what's going on and how this person can kind of now rehabilitate themselves and put them back in the culture. It becomes a critique of of our current societal culture as well, and that's not that's not a bad that's important. Uh, but unfortunately, I, I I think dialogue is so absolutely critical. You know, just to condemn the condemnation is important, right? Especially if it goes if it's sinful, mm-hmm. if it goes against what we ought to be made in God's image and likeness, but more often than not, and I, I've seen it a lot on social media, it, it tends to harbor and focus on uh, one person and it, it becomes a, a public bashing. So the, the idea of dialogue, the idea of, of learning, it's just non-existent there. Um, and, and so that, that's what I struggle with often. I, I can't help but think of St. Thomas Aquinas in, in the, the Summa Theologica, right? I mean, that's how he presented and taught his theology. Well, you know, he proposed a, a question or a thought that, that was sort of the cultural idea, the mentality. And then he would lay out a very theoretical and a logical progression in, in, in teaching theology and making an argument. I, you know, to me, that's sort of the, a foundation for dialogue that too often is missing in our culture today. Um, you know, again, I, I, the, I think the when you look at why the, the cancel culture exists, I, I certainly understand the importance of, of saying, yes, we need to call out and condemn what is sinful, what is difficult, what is yeah. challenging. Mm-hmm. I, I just, the, the method of it seems to move in a direction mm. that I don't think is helpful. Yeah. In our tradition, we have seven corporal works of mercy, seven spiritual works of mercy. And one of the spiritual works of mercy is to admonish the sinner. So that's, and instruct the ignorant too. So those are two spiritual works of mercy that are helpful. So if someone's sinning to correct that person in fraternal charity, um, but not in such a way where I think this is what cancel culture can become at its worst, scapegoating. Mm. So that person has done wrong. Let's take all our anger and all our other frustrations and throw it on that person. Then I feel better. I feel vindicated. I'm the virtuous one now because I've pointed out your sin and, oh, I'm so virtuous. And that's, that's deadly because we're all sinners to some degree or another. And it doesn't mean that we don't call out, you know, sin and culture. We definitely do. But always toward mercy and reconciliation. Mm. That's the final end. It's never canceling or admonishing for the sake of wiping someone out. It's actually for the sake of calling someone back Amen. to conversion. That's right. It. right. That's exactly it. You know, Father Mike Schmidt says in an article that I pointed both of you to, that, you know, we're, we're called to correct, but we're not called to cancel. I think that's a nice little Good. summary of yeah. what you just said. Yeah. You know? yeah. At the same time, like our ideas, I think, are things that um, – could could lend itself to social conversations, right? But they're not very sociable sometimes because for me to take a stand in one thing, it means that I have to take, I have to reject something else, and that could mean that I'm rejecting, you know, the people who believe in those ideas. 
And I think the idea for us as Catholics is to not do that. It's to to continue to stay in relationship with the people that we disagree with. And that's hard, right? You know, that's that's not easy, especially when they when they might believe things that are quite different from you, you know. And so for me, I think I, when, when I start to listen to what to what somebody else believes, I always try to ask the question, well, how did you come to believe that? And then I listen and say, oh, okay, well, I can understand why you believe that now. You know, I might not believe that. You know, I might have had, I might have different experiences, and I hope that they would listen to my experiences. And maybe, you know, then we can learn how to get along. You know, we, you know Mike, one word that you say there over and over, and I think it's important, is listening. I, we, don't, we don't listen. Uh, we don't listen to each other more often than not. What? Uh, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> I, I just, in many ways, we're, we, we can become, and sometimes very rightfully so, defensive. Um, but we, we fail to do what you just did there, to step back and say, okay, where did you, where did you learn this from? And then through the lens of, of Christian charity and love and reconciliation, how do we pull them through in a journey? You know, at the heart of it is listening. We're in the, I mean, we're, we're gearing up or, you know, we're, we've been working a lot with the synod at this point, right? Yeah, and it's all about that. listening. And every time we've gone into a session, a listening session, that's the, the overarching response is we should do that more often, you know? Mm-hmm, yeah. And it sort of insinuates we don't. We yeah. don't listen yeah. enough. In some ways, maybe the cancel culture is not about listening at all. It's about simple reacting, yeah. uh, which is not unmerited. That's that's a very important point. I mean, sometimes we have to react. Sure. Our culture does not train us, form us, teach us how to be listeners for the most part. Amen. It does teach us how to be reactive, reactive snarky, yeah. how to be trolls, especially internet culture. So... I think the more and more we spend time online, and not that online is bad and it can be very good, but being with people in person, listening, responding to what was heard. Um, like Mike said, if someone has a disagreement of belief, even like on fundamental first principles, you can say, how did you come to that? Or why do you think that this is the case? Because obviously I think it's this. People enjoy and appreciate being listened to, and good questions actually help clarify thoughts. And sometimes that really pushes the conversation deeper and broader than you might have expected it to go. But people are afraid, I think, to to get into that space um, because it is a bit it is a bit scary. It's a vulnerable space to, yeah. to listen to folks. It's easier to cancel because then you're done. I don't have to deal with you right. anymore. Well, that's very transactional. It's a transactional mentality. I mean, look at even education. I'll do, I'll do A, B, and C, and I'm going to get you know and this a. in return. Right. Yeah. And so this idea of I'll give and then I get from I mean it's it's this transactional mentality. It, it lends itself to a, to a society that doesn't listen. Because when we find ourselves in an ethos where truly, where true dialogue occurs, that's terribly uncomfortable, and and I think that we could easily lose the 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 focus yeah. on that. But but that, that's what I, that's what Francis has called us to in, over this, the past couple months with the synod. So. It's what the church has always done when we think yeah. about it. You know, I'm in the midst of trying to take this paper that I wrote and turn it into an article, and and. One of these things that I keep saying is that, you know, the, the synod, since you brought this up earlier, Miguel, a lot of people think that the synod is, okay, we're going to get together and 
we're going to tell the diocese what they think they should do, right? Or we're going to tell my parish what I think they should do. It's all about, you know, well, let's get let's get all of our things out there, right? I want to talk about uh, this ideology, and I want to talk about, you know, women in the church, and I want to talk about, you know, all these other things. And I'm like, no, that's not what it's about. It's not about having your voice heard. I mean, it is, but it's having your voice heard so that other people can listen to you and that you could listen to other people. And then what you're supposed to do is say, well, where is my heart being moved by what I've heard? And then we hear the Holy Spirit. That's exactly right. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. and then where's the Holy Spirit moving us as a church because of what we listened to? Amen. Do you see the, the big difference between that and like, hearing somebody's ideology and then pushing them off to the side and saying, oh, that conservative, blah, 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 or that liberal, blah, 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 you know, and then putting us, you know, no, no one's anywhere then except on both sides of the room looking at each other with with divisiveness. Yeah. And uh, that's what we're experiencing in our day-to-day lives yeah. too. And that's what <laughs> Francis is calling out against. That's why, that, that's why the synod, you know, you folks need to listen to each other is what he's really saying from his heart. Because when you listen to each other, it's it, it's different, you know, and to listen with the eyes of your heart, not just to listen out of a perfunctory sense of, oh, well, I guess I have to listen to them now, mm-hmm. and then not do anything about it. It really is an entering into the Paschal mystery, too, because one has to be vulnerable yeah. to listen and to engage. But then that's also where the growth comes. And I'm thinking even to... I mean, I'm guilty of sin. I'm a sinner. Um, Some of the greatest growth that I've had in my life has been when I've fallen, when I've sinned, and then reflecting, man, why did I do that? Or what pushed me Mm -hmm. to that? And then growing from that. And I'm glad that Jesus has not canceled me. And I'm glad (laughs) the church has not canceled me. And I'm glad that um, my friends and my family and my enemies have had mercy on me because I think I've become a better man learning when I do fall, I don't want to, but when I do, so what do you do with that? And that's Christianity. I mean, the woman was caught in the very act of adultery. Jesus did not cancel her. He said, you know, um, sin and what does he say? Go and, uh, go and sin oh, no more. Go and sin no more. Has anyone, has anyone condemned you? No, yeah. sir. Then go and sin no more. Okay. My guess is she learned from her experience, yeah. right? And was transformed by it, yeah. by the mercy Right. Um, who knows what canceling would have done? You know, I, it's funny. When you think about what it means as Christians, we're called to accompany each other, not to cancel each other. Uh, and that accompaniment involves such a profound vulnerability, doesn't mm-hmm. it? It's saying, I, I, I am weak, right? But through God's grace, and as we journey together, we move forward as a, as a, as a people. And so accompaniment almost seems to go against the grain on canceling. It's it's saying, hey, there's more for you. That's mm-hmm. what Jesus Christ calls us to through mm-hmm. the grace of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. That's what we journey together towards. Um, there's a piece in here about forgiveness and reconciliation also, right? Like, we always have to offer forgiveness as, as Christians, right? And, and that's difficult, right? Especially when someone is really, you know, irrepar- you know, almost irreparably harmed you, right? You know, or at least in your mind. But re- reconciliation isn't always possible, Right, because you know, if, if someone was let's let's take an extreme example, if someone murdered somebody in your family, you know, it might be extremely hard for reconciliation to happen between you know you and that person, and yet you know we're still called to forgive. You know, you probably you know don't want them to be in your neighborhood, especially if they're behind bars because you know they're they're a murderer, right? But 
at the same time, you know, forgiveness is the thing that we have to offer so that we can move beyond that. Um, It's hard. If you remember back to, gosh, it's almost a decade ago now. Remember Ariel Castro? He was the guy who kidnapped the four adult women, Amanda Berry, Gina DeJesus, and Michelle Knight. And he had them in his house and treated them terribly for 10 years. When Michelle Knight went to court for his arraignment, she forgave him, not because she felt like loving, warm feelings, but she did not want hate to ruin her heart. Mm. And she, if you remember, she kind of took a new name. She wanted her name to be Lily from that, mm. then on. But there's an example of someone who, yes, she wanted him to go to prison all the days of his life and pr- protect society from this you know, uh, vicious man. But at the same time, she didn't want to cancel him spiritually because she knew that would affect her heart. So she offered forgiveness. And that's that's the mystery that can't really be done without God's grace. But that's where it's at. And that's where life is. A more superficial example. So I'm, I'm going out to lunch one day. And I had a I had a green arrow to make a left, and it had like just turned as I pulled into that little lane. And as I go across the lane, this SUV came flying right at me and hit me, mm. and I mean, and hit me. I mean, totaled my car. I hit the car next to me that was going straight through the the intersection because he had a green also, and. I mean, people came running because they thought I was really injured. And thankfully, I wasn't. Thank God for airbags. If this was 30 years ago, I would have been dead. I mean, for sure. A guy had to be doing 35 going through the intersection. And I I got out of the car, and the other guy got out of the car, and his hands are all bloodied from the windshield. I was perfectly fine. I had some glass in my shoe. That was about it, you know. And I I was shaken up, obviously. But at one point, like, I walked over to the guy who's, like, leaning against the post, and I'm like, hey, what's your name? And he goes, Dave. And I'm like, how you doing, Dave? And he goes, yeah, not so good. And I said, yeah. And he goes, I want you to know I'm really, really sorry. And I walked over, and I hugged him. Hmm. And you heard an audible gasp from everybody around. Yeah. And I was just like, huh. And, and, like, for me, I was kind of like, yeah, what, what, why did I do that, as, as you said before? You know? And I was like, I just really felt, I felt bad for him. The other guy obviously knew he made a 10-second mistake. How many 10-second mistakes have I made yeah. right? <laughs> you know, that I'd want to have back? You know, and, and the, guy, the guy was rushing to the Bills game. This happened in Buffalo, and he was rushing to the Bills game. It was like you know, 10 to 1 or something. And he ran a red light. You know? Have you ever run a red light? I know I probably have, you know? Yeah. I mean, Maybe not as bad as he did, and I didn't. I didn't hit anybody, but you know, I've been in a rush. Things ha- things happen, you know. And the insurance company took care of my car. Yeah. It was fine, yeah. You know? And I wasn't hurt. And you know, I went and made sure I had no internal injuries or anything like that. And everything was fine. But everybody was like, "You should sue him." Blah 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 blah. You shouldn't just take what the insurance company gives you. And I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like I'm not going to do this. It- it really um, incarnates the golden rule and treat others as you want to be treated. So mm-hmm. in that situation, if you were on the guilty side, the side who sinned, would you want to be canceled or would you want to be embraced yeah. with mercy? Yeah. You know, just imagine, though, through, through the lens of our society, forgiveness mercy, makes no sense. But if you haven't experienced it, you can't give it. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So because you knew the the Lord's mercy in your life, and maybe someone else uh, has offered you mercy or have throughout your life. Many, many times. You know what it's like then to pass that on. 
Yeah. It's, it becomes intensely real, right? Mm-hmm. More than just the theological jargon you hear at church or on, you know, wherever it might be. And it's not in any way diminishing the violence of acts or the nefariousness of of whatever it was that was done as an offense. Right. It's, I mean, and this is how the Lord loves us, right? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. How countercultural that is, though. <laughs> yeah, what yeah, a witness it is. But right? it's true. I mean, it's, it's absolutely it's true. It's what heals. Yeah. It's what heals. And the place that we learn a lot about that is in a church where when we you know, need to make amends, we could always come back there. And so let's go to Akron this week. And uh, Miguel, you know a little bit about Blessed Trinity. In Akron, yeah, it's, right? a, it's a great little church. Uh, actually, what's really nice, uh, I was there, I've been there a couple times, and um, some of the staff showed me around. But, uh, you know, and it's... A, Beautiful church. It's it's funny. I, there's been a lot of construction on on the road right next to, or right beside Talmadge the church. Road? Talmadge Road. Yeah, I think it's Talmadge Road. Um, it's really close, right to downtown Akron, though. It's a straight shot. Um, it's the former St. Martha's, I think. Yeah. And the pastor is Father Joe Warner. That's right. Who's another one of my classmates, by the way. Oh, I have yeah. nine of them, so we have a lot of pastor <laughs> classmates. Yeah. Yeah. There's um the Catholic Charities in I think it's in their parish hall. Catholic Charities uh, that does a number of of work pieces there. It's great, actually. They they serve a lot of people. I think with the pandemic, maybe things have uh, have changed a little, but. You know, they have a hot meals program. Uh, they serve a lot of uh, mm. underserved folks. Uh, so it's it's a great community. Um, so I, I highly recommend it. And our scripture for this Sunday, Pentecost is here. So get to hear the uh, get to hear the sequence uh, this week. I really like that. Yeah. And I really love that. The part I like. Bend the stubborn heart and will. Melt the frozen, warm the chill. All about what we're talking about today, right? The Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. Yeah. Not Absolutely. death. Miguel's the only one who's uh, appropriately dressed for Pentecost today with his yeah. red shirt on. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> it's a kind of sort a maroon, of a maroon color. <laughs> yeah, uh, close enough. Though. It's all right. <laughs> it's a shade of red. <laughs> I was going to say, what's your favorite image of the Holy Spirit? Because the Father is usually, you know, it could be a Father and Jesus is the Son. But Holy Spirit, do you like a dove? Do you like a, a burning, like a tongue on fire? What? So I'll start. I have an image hanging in my office. It's a Don Drum uh, oh, yeah. cast metal image, and it's the most distorted, pointy peace dove. Uh, it's mm. beautiful, but I love, love that image of the Holy Spirit because, you know, you think of this image of a dove and how beautiful, and it is beautiful, uh, but I love this metal. It's funny, when you hold it, it looks like a medieval weapon, but it's pointy and sharp. And when I think of the Holy Spirit in my life, uh, the Holy Spirit has constantly nudged me, you know, kind of you know, sometimes poke here and there. Um, but when, we, when, when we're faithful to God's call in our lives, and this, this image of the Spirit's kind of distorted looking, right? But it's, it's going to change our path. It's going to distort things. But that's, how, that's, you know, we just stay faithful to that. That's how God calls us. So I love that image of the Holy Spirit. And we'll have more images next week here on Question of Faith.